This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight with one of my favorite shows from old-time radio, Inner Sanctum. On January 7th of 1941, the Inner Sanctum radio program premiered, the name licensed by Simon and Schuster, on condition that at the end of each broadcast, the announcer would promote the latest book title published in the series. The anthology series featured stories of mystery, terror, and suspense, and its tongue-in-cheek introductions were in sharp contrast to shows like Suspense and The Whistler. The early 1940s programs opened with Raymond Edward Johnson introducing himself as your host, Raymond, in a mockingly sardonic voice, a spooky melodramatic organ score played by Lou White punctuated Raymond's many morbid jokes and playful puns. Raymond's closing was an elongated, Pleasant dreams? <laughs> his tongue-in-cheek style and ghoulish relish of his own tales became the standard for many such horror narrators to follow. When Johnson left the series in May of 1945 to serve in the Army, he was replaced by Paul McGrath, who did not keep the Raymond name and was known only as your host. And, of course, uh, in, begin, in uh, 1945, beginning of that year, Lipton Tea sponsored the series with cheery commercial spokesperson Mary Bennett, a.k.a. the Tea Lady, whose blithesome pitches for Lipton Tea contrasted sharply with the macabre themes of the stories. Now, tonight we hear about an inept couple who murder for profit and then run when the net closes in on them. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends. This is your host of the Inner Sanctum, welcoming you again through the squeaking door for an hallucinating good time. Why am I smiling? But I always smile when I open the squeaking door on Tuesday nights. You see, each week when I say good evening, I think to myself, a good evening for what? And of course, there's only one answer to that question. A good evening for... Murder. <laughs> a fine thing to say. You wouldn't feel so chipper about it if you were going to be murdered. Why, Mary, there's no bigger thrill than to be murdered. Why, it happens only once in a lifetime. <laughs> well, I know something else like that. Now, don't tell me that Lipton tea... No, I'm not thinking about Lipton tea. 
I'm talking about that solid sterling silver medallion that the Lipton Tea people are offering to the ladies. Yes, ladies, it's the chance of a lifetime to get a lovely piece of jewelry. The kind you find at those smart shops on Fifth Avenue in New York. Now, let me tell you about the medallion. It's made of real sterling silver. It's about an inch in diameter, and it's decorated with a Chinese inscription. The medallion is hung on a narrow black rayon satin ribbon, so it can be worn as a necklace, a choker, or you can simply add it to your charm bracelet. And here's how you get the medallion. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. Yes, that's Box 92 in New York City. And now... It's time to begin. Our story is called Dead to Rights. It's an original spine tingler by Sigmund Miller. And our stars tonight are two radio favorites, Elspeth Eric and Santos Ortega. So relapse in your chair, settle down for a half hour of alarming but charming entertainment. Why not get really reckless tonight? Go the whole works. Turn off the main switch in the cellar. The darker it is, the more strange things you'll see. Lou Dunn is nervously pacing his room in a dingy boarding house near the East River in Manhattan. His wife, Dottie, is looking at an old newspaper. That's him, Dottie. You can see for yourself. This is Jensen, that queer old guy. He lives upstairs with $20,000. Mm-hmm. That's him, all right. All that money. Only a floor above us. According to this paper, William Jensen was found wandering through the streets in a semi-conscious condition due to lack of food. The police discovered $20,000 in $100 bills mixed with crusts of bread in his pockets. He's being sent to Bellevue Hospital for observation. That newspaper's more than a month old. Mm. Jensen's been back for two weeks. Hey, Dottie. Hmm? Must be somewhere we can get that money. There is. You mean Robin? Robin? Maybe kill him. Kill him? If you're not scared. Scared? I ain't scared of anything. I know you. You always talk tough, and that's about all. I'm not scared. We could knock him off. Make it look like suicide. You really want to do it? Yeah, sure. I'd like to put my hands in that 20 grand. Boy, would we couldn't do with that money. It'll be easy. If we do it smart. Very smart. Sure, sure. Maybe... Maybe you could sort of visit him. Just before he goes to bed. Turn on the gas. That'd make it look like suicide. Then we could go back and pick up the money. Not not all of it. We'll leave half of it so it won't look like robbery. Sure. He's a crazy guy. It's natural for a crazy guy to knock himself off. Mm-hmm. When do we do it? Well, if we're going to do it, we got to do it right now. We'll never have the guts to do it later. 
Are you sure you want to do it, Lou? Sure. Sure I do, Donnie. Mrs. Scully was going to the movies. What time is it now? It's, uh, five to ten. She won't be back till after eleven. That only gives us about an hour. Ah, oh, you've got plenty of time. Jensen goes to bed just about this time. You go on up, stay with him until he's in bed. And then, on your way out, you turn on the gas. Not too much, because that'll make a lot of noise. And keep your finger off the spigot. Use a stick or a glove or something. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Okay, what are you waiting for? You, you want me to go now? Well, what do you want to do? Die a heart failure worrying about it? Go ahead. Hey, who's there? It's me. Uh, Lou Dunn, the guy that lives right under you. Oh, just a minute. I was just about to get to my bed. Is there anything special you want? No. I just had a little argument with the wife. Oh. Kind of... I don't want to go back right now. You're going to teach her a lesson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Come in. You can talk to me while I get into bed. Thanks a lot, Mr. Jensen. I, I, won't, I won't stay alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you, you going to bed right now? Yeah. Yeah. Would you mind helping me take off my shoes? Sure. I'm getting too old to bend down. Sure. Sure thing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. That's no place to hide your money behind the pillow. Huh? That ain't no money. It's just a lot of pictures. It's all just pictures. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. There ain't gonna be good company. Feel kind of sleepy. Well, maybe I'd better get back. Nice of you to come and see me, though. It's freezing outside. I'd better close the windows or you'll catch cold. Well, good night, Mr. Jensen. Good night. Speaking like a trip, I'm. If I get downstairs without being seen, everything will be all right. Hey, someone's coming up the steps. It's Mrs. Scully, the landlady. It's dark. Maybe she won't recognize me. I pull my hat over my face. Mr. Dunn? I beg your pardon. Well, I'm sorry. I thought you were Mr. Dunn. It's all right. Good night. Good night. Who is it? It's me, Lou. Everything all right? Close the door. What's the matter with you? Anything go wrong? We're going to be caught. Calm down. Tell me what happened. I did everything you said. Everything we planned until I got outside. I met Mrs. Scully in the hall. I pulled my hat over my face. She recognized you? She called my name. And I disguised my voice. Nothing to worry about. I'm sure she knew it was me. 
We're going to get caught. Did you come right down here? No. I went outside for a few minutes in case she was watching me. That's good. Now you got to go back and get that money. He, he's dead by now. I, I can't go back. You've got to go now before the gas leaks into the hall and everybody knows about it. I, I can't. I can't do it. All right, I'll go myself. Where'd you say the money was? Pillow under his head. Stay here till I get back. Maybe, maybe we ought to forget. No. Not after we've gone this far. Who's there? It's me, Mrs. Scully. Let me in. What do you want? Well, the people downstairs have been complaining. There's water leaking down the ceiling. Water? Yes. I'd like to take a look at the sink. Sure, sure. Huh. Funny. Pipes aren't leaking. Just, just a mistake, huh? Oh, they must be cranks. Floor's dry. Is that all, Mrs. Scully? No. You're a couple of days over on your rent. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Well, you better. I have to pay my bills, you know. Sure, I, I, I promise you. Well, all right. Say, didn't I pass you upstairs on the fourth floor a little while ago? Me? Oh. You must have me mixed up with someone else. It looked like you. Had you billed? I haven't been out of this room for a couple of hours. Okay, Lou, I guess... Uh, Dolly, Miss Scully. Oh. Hello, Mrs. Scully. Hello, Mrs. Dunn. I was just telling your husband about the rent that's... Hey, do you smell gas? Yeah. Must be a gas jet open someplace. Well, you'd better take a look at your stove. Don't want any accidents in this house. No, neither do we. It seems to be coming from the hall. I'd better take a look at that empty room. You should have knocked before you came in. You almost gave the whole thing away. Yeah, I know. Had the money right in my hand. I only took half the dough, about $9,000, I figure. The cops questioned Mrs. Scully. We'll be done for. Yeah, she smelled the gas on me. They almost died in that room. We gotta get away from here. Yeah, maybe you're right. I'm getting kind of scared myself. Things ain't working out so perfect. Let's get packed. Okay. We better hurry. No, no, wait a minute. We ain't gonna pack. We're not gonna stay here. Listen, if we walk out with our suitcases, we'll be giving ourselves away. Jensen. We just They found out about Jensen. We gotta stay calm or we're dead pigeons. What should we do? We've gotta get out of this house first. We can't go out the front door, not now. Maybe with all this excitement going on, we can sneak out without them noting. I tell you, I'm scared, Daddy. Oh, my. Come on. It's now or never. There's nobody at the front door. Well, let's break. The cops, they just came in. Quick, get back in the room before they see us. We'll never escape. I'll escape. There must be some other way. <laughs> Dottie and Lou are in bad shape. My only hope is that they don't die of heart failure before the end of the program. That would be very embarrassing. Sometimes I wish the characters in our stories would show a little more nerve. They all get so flustered. It's not that they aren't first-quality villains, but they're too indecisive. Well, what do you think is going to happen to them? Oh, they'll probably turn on the gas again. Oh, please. And brew themselves a pot of Lipton tea. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> well, you fooled me that time, and now I'm going to fool you. I'm not going to talk about Lipton tea. Instead, I'm going to tell you a story. Yes, it seems there's a true story behind that sterling silver medallion that the Lipton people are offering to the ladies. It's really a good luck charm. The original was given to an American flyer by Chinese guerrillas who rescued him after he'd bailed out over enemy territory. The flyer was told that the Chinese letters on the medallion would identify him and bring him safely through the lines. Well, he did get through, and only then did he learn that the medallion said, Good luck, in Chinese. Now, ladies, there's something to tell your friends. And to get this good luck charm, this lovely sterling silver medallion, just like the one the flyer carried, all you have to do is send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton tea people, box 92. That's box 92, New York City. Well, now let's go back to our pale and panicky pair of murderers. If you remember... They ran back into their room when the police came in. And since then, they've been trying to figure a way out. Maybe they've got a plan. So let's take a look, shall we? We've got to think of something. How about that back stairway? I don't know where it goes. Well, it's better than staying here. Cops will see us. we got to take that chance. They're probably still upstairs. Come on. Let's hurry. Walk slow, you. i got to open the door to get to the back stairway. Well, open it slow. Well, the door's locked. Easy, you fool. Maybe it's just rust. It's jammed. Let's both of us try to open it. So we'll use the cops. We'll be down in a minute. Come on, come on. Let's push it. No. Don't give. It won't. It's opening. Just a little bit more. We can just step through. Yeah. You all right? Uh-huh. It's like it's cold in here. Stairway goes down to the cellar, I guess. Come on. Another exit that leads out into the alley. Listen, that's the, that's the cops coming down to look for us. They come in the hallway stairs. We've got to hide. Here, get behind this old sofa. Lie down, lie down on the floor. There's nothing you'll find down here. I hope you don't mind, lady, but we'd like to look over the premises. Oh, look, this dust is killing me. I'm going to sneeze. No, I can't. You won't. It's just a waste of time looking for anything here. All right. Let's get out. There's too much dust here. Daddy. 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 I killed him. Daddy. Please get him. Oh. Oh, I'm glad you're not dead. You tried to kill me. I had to put my hand over your mouth. You'd have sneezed. We'd been caught. Let's get out of this dusty hole. Get these barrels away. We can get out through the alley. Well, get a little safer out on the street. Please, will you stop looking back? There's someone following us. There's nobody following us. I tell you, there is. I know all the detectives in New York must be looking for us. Stop acting so suspicious. Turning around all the time. We gotta look like normal people. Normal? 
I've never been so scared in all my life. I told you not to turn around. It's the same guy. Who are you talking about? Take a look at yourself. Guy with the gray hat. He could... He could be just an ordinary guy. Maybe we just think he's following us. We gotta get away from him. No, look. Hold my hand. We'll fool him. Make believe we're in love. What's the matter with you? I don't get it. Act like you're crazy about me. Act it for real. Go on. What am I supposed to do? Say I'm say I'm wonderful. Say I'm the I'm the sweetest girl in the world. Go on. You're crazy. Do what I tell you. You're the sweetest girl in the world. Oh, say it like you mean it. Hurry up. You're wonderful. I love you. I love Put your arm around my shoulder. I think I'm doing any good. No. Walk slow. Act like we don't care where we're going. You catch up to he us. He can always catch up to us. You gotta make him think we're the wrong people he's following it. Keep talking love to me. You're wonderful. I'm crazy about you. You're wonderful too, Lou darling. I've waited all my life for somebody like you. I don't know what I'd do without you. You're still following us. Yes, sweetheart. We gotta figure out something. Maybe we can give him the slip in the subway. Yeah. Look, I'll go in the subway first. You go in the cigar store. He'll follow you. I'll wait for you on the platform. You come down a few minutes after me. Have a nickel already. Then as soon as the train pulls in, wait till the doors are closing. Then drop your nickel in the slot. I'll hold the door open for you. Whoever is following won't be able to make it. You understand me, dear? Well, what if he arrests me first? He won't. Look, here's where I go down the subway. You go into the store. Kiss me. Okay. Darling? Don't forget to wait until the doors are closing. Find you. Well, in the center of the platform for everybody to see me. I thought you'd run out of me. Well, maybe I should have. You had? I'd have given myself up? Yes, you would. Where are we going? Next station. We'll get a bus going to New Jersey. Maybe we ought to ride a little further. Getting off here. Let's beat it. What are you hanging around? Wait a minute, wait a minute. We gotta hide this money so they won't have anything on us in case we get caught. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. We can come back for it later, huh? Hide it right underneath the platform. Yeah, that's a good spot. There's no one in the station. Let's do it fast. Here's the money. I'll hold you while you bend over. All right. Be careful you don't drop it. Now hold on good. I'm liable to fall. Hurry up before somebody comes along. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's hidden. Let's go. We'll be back for it in a day or so. Now put your arm around me while we go up into the street. I can't do it anymore. If you don't do what I'm leaving you. No, don't. That's better. Sweetheart. Yeah. I guess you're the best girl for me. You just wouldn't know what to do without me. Would you, darling? Don't turn around. There's nobody following us. 
There's a cop right behind us. He must have radioed a description of us. Cops don't follow people. They arrest them if they think they're guilty. Well, maybe he ain't sure. Maybe he's watching us first. We'll turn the corner. Without hurrying. You do love me, don't you? Uh, I love you more than anybody else in the world. I love you, too. You're right, we are being followed. What are we going to do? There's a factory up ahead. We'll make believe we're going in on the night shift. That ought to throw him off the track. We'll get caught in the building. Well, it's worse out here on the street. When the cop sees us going to the factory, he'll think he's made a mistake and they'll leave us alone. Well, hang on to me tight and walk slow. <laughs> Is this a building? Yeah. We'll walk in just as if we belong here. Oh, he hasn't followed us in. No, it worked fine. Now we can stay here for a few minutes and then we'll... It's the cop. We're caught. Let's take the elevator up. Come on. Floors, please. Uh, 16th. There's no one on the 16th. It's empty, man. Uh, she means the 15th. Yeah. Hurry up, please. We're, we're very late. In a second. There's an officer coming in. Thank you for waiting. Floor, please. Just take these people wherever they're going. Yes, sir. Watch the door. Where are you two going? Uh, the 15th floor. Who are you seeing on the 15th floor? What do you want with us? We didn't do anything. I just asked you who you're seeing on the 15th floor. We... We work up there. I see. 15, please. Come on, Lou. Just a second. Run, Lou. Run. Around the corner. He'll shoot at us. Hurry up. He'll kill us. Stop or I'll shoot. There's the freight elevator. It's open. If we can make it, we can slam the door and run it ourselves. Wait a minute. Hurry up, Lou. I'm going as fast as I can. Quick. Stop! Through the elevator! Stop! You'll get killed! Those poor devils. Operator, get me precinct 23. Oh, hello, Lieutenant. This is Officer Malone. I want to report a double suicide. Their names are Lewis and Dorothy Dunn. Now, I knew they were going to do it, and I tried to stop them. I saw him in the subway station. The man was trying to jump off the platform, but the woman was holding him back. He changed his mind, and they went upstairs. It looked like a lover's suicide pact to me. And I saw them holding each other around, kissing on the street. I followed them from the subway into this building, and when I asked them a few questions, they got frightened, got off on the 15th floor. Yeah. Well, I did. I tried to stop them, Lieutenant. They, they ran down the corridor and then threw themselves down an empty elevator shaft. Dead? There's doornails, yeah. Uh, Lieutenant, you know, the funny part of it is, 
They lived in the same house where that old crackpot, Jensen, committed suicide by gas a few hours ago. Huh? What? Yeah. Yeah, that sure is an unlucky house. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's one way of getting rid of the Duns. Making them throw themselves down the elevator shaft. Not a very pleasant way, I'll admit. But business is business. We just don't fool around with characters like that. Well, I can't help feeling sorry for them. Those poor people probably never had a lucky day in their lives. And it's your fault, Mary. You should have given them one of those good luck charms you've been talking about. You know, the medallion with the black ribbon. Yes. If the medallion didn't bring them good luck, they could always hang themselves with the ribbon. <laughs> now, you stop that kind of talk. Because Lipton's sterling silver medallion on its black rayon satin ribbon is a lovely piece of jewelry. But you may never own it if you don't act now. The Lipton tea people make it easy for you. Listen. Just send 25 cents and the box top from a package of Lipton's, the tea with the brisk flavor, to the Lipton Tea People, Box 92, New York City. The 25 cents includes the full cost of packing and postage. And now, a word of advice. If the elevator service is bad and you're in a hurry... Just throw yourself out of the window. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is The Red Right Hand by Joel Rogers. Oh, and I must tell you about next week's story. It takes place on the high sea, but it's about a man who doesn't like singing. Yes, singing seems to strike the wrong note with him. And he goes around opening up throats with a knife to find out just what makes that wrong note. <laughs> so, if you're one of those guys who sings in the shower, just cut it out before next week's killer does it for you. <laughs> now it's time to close the squeaking door. Until next Tuesday, when Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present another Inner Sanctum Mystery. Directed by Hyman Brown. Good night. Pleasant dreams. And remember to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Robert Young to star as Jim Anderson in Father Knows Best. 
Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. A decade or so before the turn of the 20th century... The city editor of the New York Sun came up with a remarkably simple definition of news. When a dog bites a man, he said, that is not news because it happens so often. But if a man bites a dog, that is news. Well, in Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, news may very well be in the making. Nothing unusual has happened thus far, but it's quite possible that before the week is out, a man named Anderson will bite a dog like this. Holy cow, Dad, I couldn't help it. Bud, when you signed the good driving pledge... But I wasn't even driving, Dad. The car was just sitting there. And the fender dropped off all by itself. Sure. Bud, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But it's true, Dad. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole car fell apart. Is that so? There's nothing wrong with the car and you know it. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? Did you know that in the polar regions, dogs are the chief means of transportation? What's that got to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car? I didn't knock it off, Dad. It fell off. Bud, unless you're willing to tell me the truth... Jim, Bud is not in the habit of telling lies. And if he says the fender fell off, then it fell off. And we put it back on again with wire, Dad. You'd never even know the difference. Oh, fine. (laughs) Bud, if I ever find out... Oh, never mind. May I have my coffee, Margaret? Of course, dear. Here you are. Thank you. Nothing. What? It doesn't have anything to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car. I did not. Wait a minute, Bud. Kathy, what doesn't have anything to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car? Dogs are the chief means of transportation in the polar regions. Fine. I'll order a dog sled in the morning. (laughs) Is that what you want? Oh, no. I just wanted to tell you. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Silliest thing I've ever heard in my life That car's practically as good as it was the day we bought it Might need a little paint here and there Daddy What is it, Kathy? Did you know that the dog has been chosen as the companion of man Because of his fidelity and intelligence? Well, I'd heard rumors But it's nice to have it on such complete authority You're welcome (laughs) Dad Yes, bud Does that mean that I can't have the car on Thursday anymore? No, I suppose it'll be all right. But in the future, I wish you'd be a little more careful, that's all. I wouldn't be surprised if the roof caved in. Betty, what's gotten into you? Until tonight, the only complaint you ever had about the car was that you didn't get it often enough. Jim. Yes, Margaret? The Liggetts have a new car. A convertible. Oh. Well, pardon me. Dogs are bred for sports, as watchdogs, for guarding and driving sheep, and for plain ordinary dogs. Kathy, deep in your obscure little mind... I'll see you 
it is. You stay right where you are. I wanted to get to the bottom of this dissertation on dogs. Bud? Yes, Dan? See who's at the door. Holy cow. (laughs) Nobody else around here knew how to open a door. All right, Kathy. Will you explain something to me as simply as possible? Why this sudden interest in the history of our canine companions? Huh? Dogs. Oh, well, dogs are pets, and everybody says they're man's best friend, and they'd probably be girls' best friends, too. And I don't see why... Kathy, are you going to start that dog business again? But everybody I know has a dog, and I don't see why... You know as well as I that Betty's allergic to dogs. They make her sneeze. Dad, it's Mr. David. Oh, come on in, Ed. Hello, Jim. Margaret. Hello, Ed. Hello, girls. Hello, Mr. Davis. We're just finishing our dinner, Ed. How about a cup of coffee? Oh, no, thanks, Jim. I, Well, I just want to talk to you about your dog. Our what? Well, I wouldn't mind if it were just an ordinary rosebush, Jim, but this was a Bengal. A genuine hibiscus rosa sinensis. Ed. I only had to, and you ought to see the one he dug up. It's a complete wreck. Ed. Yes, Jim. What dog? Why, your dog. We don't have a dog, you know that. Daddy. Jim. (laughs) I dislike this whole thing as much as you do, but that bush cost me $13. Ed, we don't have a dog. Daddy. And I, I wouldn't even know where to get another one. They only had two in town. I bought both of them. Ed. Yes, Jim. We don't have a dog. Daddy. Kathy, I'm talking to Mr. Davis. I know, Daddy, but I want to tell you something. All right, what is it? We have a dog. (laughs) Fine. Look, Ed, I know how you must feel, but... We what? Kathy, you're joking. What do you mean, we have a dog? Well, it was such a poor little dog, Daddy, and it kept following me and following me. Kathy, you mean we have a dog... Here? Uh-huh. <laughs> Betty, stop that. I can't stop it, Father. You certainly can. Kathy, you've been told a thousand times not to bring a dog into the house. <laughs> She's just doing that to be mean. I am done. She wasn't sneezing before, and the dog was here all the time. Where? What? Where is it? Where's what? The dog. Oh, the dog. (laughs) Kathy, where did you put the dog? In the playroom. Well, we'll just see about that. Of course, it isn't the most valuable rose bush in the world, Jim, but if you knew the trouble I'd gone through... Jim, where are you going? Down to the playroom. Oh, Daddy, please don't be mean to the little dog. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Where do you think you're going, bud? Well, can I come with you? Gosh, I just want to look at it. I didn't mean to start all this trouble, Jim, but after all, he did dig up the rose bush. I know, Ed. I'll be very glad to pay for it as soon as we... Oh. My aching back. Look at the size of that thing. Just wait for you upstairs, Jim. <laughs> Kathy, that isn't a dog. It's a werewolf. No, it isn't, 
Daddy. It's a dog, and you're frightening him. I'm frightening him. <laughs> Poor little fella. We're not going to hurt you. Kathy, get away from him. But, Daddy... You heard me, Kathy. <laughs> you don't get away from that dog. Well, stay over there if that's what he wants. But don't get too close. Jim, Ed Davis said there was a lion in the basement. Did you... Oh, Kathy. Isn't he cute, Mommy? Kathy, come over here. You, uh, you better do as your mother says, Kathy. <laughs> Maybe she better do what the dog says. Jim, what are we going to do? We're going to find out where he belongs and get rid of him. That's what we're going to do. Oh, Daddy, you can't. He's such a beautiful dog, and he's so easy to feed. All he eats is cookies. Bud. <laughs> uh, see what the tag says on his collar. On his collar? <laughs> oh, he won't hurt you, Bud. Will you, George? Well, go ahead, Bud. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, that's a nice fella. <laughs> nice, George. His name isn't exactly George, bud. I just call him that. Oh, you're a great help. <laughs> nice boy. <laughs> that's a nice boy. Atta boy. Uh, what does it say, bud? Gargantua the third. <laughs> oh, that's how you say it. Property of... Michael Reed, Orchard Avenue. Orchard Avenue? Well, that's a mile away. How did he get clear over here? I think he walked. <laughs> well, he can walk right back. Bud, call Mr. Reed and tell him we have his dog. Oh, Daddy, no! Oh, Daddy, yes! <laughs> Kathleen, it isn't our dog, and we've got to send him back home. But, Mommy, mm. I love him so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry, Kathy. Gosh, you've still got us. Everybody's got somebody. And all I have is you. You want me to answer it, Dad? No, never mind. I'm right here. Mr. Anderson? Yes? I'm Mr. Reed's chauffeur. Oh, yes. Come on right in. Oh, thank you. Very nice of you to go to all this trouble. Oh, it's no trouble at all. Mr. Reed was quite concerned about Gargantua, quite concerned. Well, we uh, weren't too happy about him ourselves. Uh, Kathy? You want me, Daddy? The man is here for the dog. Gee whiz. She'll have it up here in just a minute. Uh, Peculiar-looking animal, isn't it? Oh, no. It's a very valuable dog. Vimarana. A vibe... You don't say. Yes, it's a, a German hunting dog. Very intelligent. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Kathy, will you please hurry? Daddy, I can't find him. You what? Oh, Daddy, the most terrible thing happened. He got away. Kathy. But he did, Daddy. I just opened the door, and he was gone. You uh, didn't happen to give him a push. Oh, Daddy, how can you say... Well, maybe one little push. 
Now, see here, Kathleen. Oh, you don't have to worry, Daddy. I think I can find him again. Later. I, uh, I'm awfully sorry about this. I understand. Oh, hello, Ed. Oh, Jim, I don't like Ed, to... please, I told you I'd get you another rosebush, and I will. First thing in the morning. I know, Jim, but after all... Now... George got away. Yes, I know he got away. Only he didn't get far enough away. Have you seen him? Yes, I've seen him. He's in my backyard, and he's having a wonderful time. All right, Kathy, go get him. Gee whiz. And Jim. Yes? When you get that hibiscus sinensis tomorrow, make it two. Oh, no. dog is a creature whose principal feature is love, and there's nothing can daunt him. He'll stay by your side as though he were tied, especially if you don't want him. A few days have gone by, and in Springfield we find a most unhappy individual. Between roses which cannot be found, and a dog which refuses to get lost, Jim Anderson's lot is a miserable one indeed. Like this. Go on, get him. Oh, isn't he cute, Daddy? He wants to Play. Well, tell him to play with something else. But he likes you, Daddy. All right, I like him, but you don't see me biting his shoes. Oh, he just wants to be friendly. No good fender. Why don't they make the bolts big enough? They don't want you to fix your car, that's what. Expect you to buy a new one every five minutes. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? George is hungry. George is hungry. George is sleepy. George, George, George. Kathy. Yes, Daddy? How many times have you found that dog? Six. And how many times have we sent him home? Six. Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Any dog that's stupid enough to get trapped in back of a fence six times in a row... Hi, Jim. Oh, Ed, come on over here. I've got good news for you. Okay. Hey. See, George is back again. Yeah, idiotic animal. Comes clear over here from Orchard Avenue and then gets stuck in back of the Willoughby's fence. <laughs> smart dog. He is smart, Daddy. He knows that's where I meet him. Well, why don't you leave him there? Let somebody else find him for a change. But, Daddy, the Willoughby's moved away. There wouldn't be anybody to feed him. He can always eat rose bushes. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you, Ed. There they are. You mean those? Yep, two Bengals. And I had to go clear to Plainfield to get them. Jim, I don't like to be difficult, but those aren't Bengals. They most certainly are. Look at the tags. Hmm. Well, they're marked Bengals, all right, but... Oh, well, you see, Jim, there are two kinds of Bengals. A hibiscus rosa sinensis and rosa japanicus. Now, mine were hibiscus sinensis, and they're a much hardier variety. Ed, a rose is a rose. <laughs> And you said Bengals. I don't like to argue, Jim, but I said hibiscus sinensis. You see, the Japanicus is very susceptible to mildew and thrips. That's bad, huh? Oh, yeah, especially around here. The Japanicus doesn't do well in Springfield at all. It needs a much milder climate. I see. 
You, uh, you wouldn't consider moving. <laughs> Nothing. I'll keep looking, Ed. After all, what's a few more days? I wouldn't be able to do anything but work anyway. Well, Mr. Anderson? Oh, hello there. We're back here near the garage. Mr. Anderson, I don't know what to say. Mr. Reed is most apologetic. Yes, I'm sure he must be. Well, I'll be getting back to my gardening. I've got another bed of geraniums to set up. I'm sorry they weren't the right ones, Ed. Oh, that's all right, Jim. There's no particular hurry, I guess. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, I want to assure you that we've done everything in our power to keep Gargantua at home. I'm sure you have. I've gone over the fence with a fine-tooth comb. We've fixed everything, and still he gets out. Maybe the fence isn't high enough. Well, it's quite high, but we're going to make it higher. And now if I may have the dog. Yes, Kathy. Now, where the dickens did she go? Kathy! Where's George? George? No, we call him George. Kathy? I'm coming, Daddy. Maybe if you called him George, he'd stay home. Well, it might be a little confusing, but we'll try. Kathy, why is it... What happened to George? I don't know, Daddy. Isn't he with you? No, he isn't with me. <laughs> Where'd he go? I don't know. Kathy, why is it that every time Mr. Reed's chauffeur... George. Thank you. Every time George shows up, George... George? Yes, sir. George. Oh. Well, why, why is it every time George shows up, jo uh, the dog disappears? I don't know. What do you know? I don't know. I'm sorry, George, but George, uh, Gargantua. George! Jim! Ed, is George over there? He certainly is, and I'm very slowly reaching the point where I don't think it's at all funny. Ed, he didn't tear up another rosebush. No. Well, thank goodness. This time he got the geraniums. <laughs> George dug up the geraniums? No, but I made a bed, and he's lying in it. <laughs> $35 for two miserable little rose bushes. It's criminal, that's what it is. Jim, let's just be thankful that we were able to find them. Hibiscus sinensis. Margaret, if I ever see that dog again, so help me. Jim. I'll... What's the matter? He's back. Oh, no. He can't be. Well, stop the car, Jim. We've got to get him. Why? Why can't we just pretend that we've never met George? That we've never even heard of him? Dear, we owe it to Mr. Reed. Mr. Reed. He's the one who ought to pay for the roses. George is his dog. Jim, that's not being very charitable. Well, I don't feel very charitable. Where is he? Back of the Willoughby's fence. Again? Margaret, that's the stupidest animal I've ever seen in my life. This is the eighth time he's been stuck in the Willoughby's yard. Any dog with half a brain knows you can jump both ways over a fence. Come here, you silly mongrel. Oh, Jim, isn't that sweet? He knows us. Well, why shouldn't he know us? He's with us for almost a week. Come on, George. That's a good boy. Take his collar, Jim. I'd like to wring his neck. Come on, George. Jim, I don't think you're being very nice to him. Well, I don't think he's being very nice to us. George, will you please make up your mind? You want to come home with us, or are you going to stay here? Daddy! Oh, Daddy, you found us again! Oh, George, I'm so happy to see you 
Oh, my wonderful George. Kathy, drag that animal over to our house. Oh, you don't have to drag him, Daddy. Well, get him over there. And this time, hang on to him. Okay, Daddy. Come on, George. I'll race you to the garage. (laughs) Man's best friend. Intelligent and loyal. A half-witted caterpillar has more intelligence than that George. Jim, how about the car? I'll come back for it later. Right now, I'm going to call that Reed guy and give him a piece of my mind. That's what I'm going to do. If he can't learn to take better care of a dog, he doesn't have any business owning one. Jim, I'm sure Mr. Reed is doing everything he can. Well, it isn't enough. Owning a dog is a responsibility to the dog and the neighborhood and everybody else. Let a dog run wild that way, first thing you know, he'll be hit by a car. He's liable to be killed. I thought you didn't like George. I don't. I mean, well, he's all right, I guess, but they have no business letting him run around the way they do. Jim, please don't be too abrupt. Mr. Reed is just as concerned about George as we are. Well, why shouldn't he be? It's his dog. Hello? Oh, this is Jim Anderson. Yes, he's here again. And look, George, I think it's high time... Well, okay. He's coming right over. Jim, when he gets here, please remember that George isn't responsible for George. After all, he's merely the chauffeur. Which one? George. Oh, He told me this morning that Mr. Reed was going to have the entire fence made higher, and if Mr. Reed thinks that much of George... Just a minute, Margaret. Bud! You want me, Dad? Go outside and hang on to George. Okay. Betty! Yes, Father? Are you in your room? Yes, Father. Well, look out the window and keep an eye on George. Okay. You won't get away this time if I can help it. Now, uh, what were you saying, Margaret? Well, I merely said that if Mr. Reed thought that much of George... See, gods, now what? I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Anderson. Well, you should be. Anybody who can't take better care of a nice dog like George... We do take care of him, Mr. Anderson. We still can't understand how he gets away. That's a very poor excuse. How would you feel if I... Wait a minute. How did you get over here so fast? Well, I left the moment I hung up. I know, but from clear over on Orchard Avenue... Oh, we haven't lived on Orchard Avenue for almost a week. We moved into the Willoughby house on the corner. Oh, no. When you go grocery shopping this weekend, be sure to see the welcome news about coffee in your store. These days, grocers everywhere are featuring Maxwell House coffee at lower prices. Now, all of you who know and love that wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor can enjoy it at the lowest price in months. And for you folks who haven't been getting that famous flavor, now's the time to bring home a familiar blue Maxwell House tin. Find out how much more satisfaction, more real pleasure it holds for you. Cup after cup, day after day, you can always count on that Maxwell House flavor. For we'll never compromise on the quality of a single pound. Tomorrow, look for Maxwell House at the lowest prices in months. Now more than ever, today's coffee buy. Get your money's worth and more with coffee that's always good to the last drop. Thank you.
Another day has come and gone, and so has the perennial George. There's peace once more in the Anderson household. But we wonder just how long it will last. It never does, does it? Like this. Most ridiculous thing that ever happened in my whole life. Stealing a dog out of his own yard. They could have had us arrested. Father. Yes, Betty? Have you noticed how quiet it's gotten around here? I certainly have. Nice and quiet. How was I supposed to know anybody'd moved in? Why didn't they put up curtains or something? That George is a pretty smart dog. And what a character. You know what he did yesterday? Whatever he did, I'm not going to pay for it. Oh, it wasn't anything like that, Dad. Kathy taught him how to play hide-and-seek. And he was really hiding. Good. I hope it's years before anybody finds him. <laughs> Why, Jim, you know you miss George as much as any of us. I do? I miss George? Huh. Margaret, this is the first peaceful moment I've had in almost a week. Daddy! 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 Kathy, what is it? What's wrong? Oh, Daddy, the most beautiful thing happened. Mr. Reed gave me a reward. Why, how nice, Kathy. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, it was certainly the least he could do. What was the reward, Kathy? I can borrow George any time I please. No. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Here, George. <laughs> oh, my beautiful George. Hiya, oh, boy. Ha, 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 Hello, George. <laughs> across the seas, many people still lack the simplest necessities of life. Food is inadequate, clothing scarce. Help is needed from each of us who can send it. The time to send that help is now. The way to send it is through CARE, C-A-R-E. For this is National Care Week, and Americans everywhere are joining in sending food and clothing abroad. To send a 24-pound package, mail $10 to CARE, New York. That's $10 to CARE, New York. Enclose your name and address and the address of the recipient. Delivery is guaranteed. Join in National Care Week now. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Don't forget... Membership cards for the Robert Young Good Drivers Club are waiting for you at your local NBC station. Get a man-to-man or dad-to-daughter pledge and sign up today. Be a good driver. Get your membership card in the Robert Young Good Drivers Club today. Now until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Screen Guild Theater, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Six Shooter, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.